Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors on staff and we are so glad that you're here with us today. Today, we are wrapping up our series, I'd Rather Be Fishing. And if you have not been with us, let me tell you where we have been in this series. So up front in this series, we started out with Jesus uh, saying to his disciples that he was going to make them into something. Now, what was that? And so Jesus said, I'm going to make you, and let's say it out loud, into... Man, way to go. That's awesome. Yes, fishers of men. Now, chances are they didn't know what he was going to make them, and he was, they weren't too sure about that phrase. And many of us, when we became Christ followers, we weren't sure what God wanted to make us as well. We didn't know he wanted to make us fishers of men. And so in the first week, that's what we learned. In the second week, and the reason that Jesus said that, he said, you know, nope, I'm going to make you into fishers of men. And he also said, the reason I'm going to do that is because I'm going to bring you into God's family and I want to bring others into God's family. I need your help in order to do that. And then in the second week, we learned that the reason that we can be confident about sharing about Christ is that um, our faith, Christianity, is grounded in history. And so the disciples and others, they saw Jesus die. They saw him come back to life. They saw him and heard from him after that as well. And so when we go out and share about Jesus, it's not that we have to have this amount of information. It's that we get to share about something that happened. And that's history. And it's a part of us being able to go and tell people because it happened in history. And then last week, Evan did an amazing job of showing us how we need to pray for boldness. And many of you, you're praying for boldness. You're praying that, God, you do something bigger than me, and you are doing something because you are bigger than life. We serve a God who is bigger than life. And so, God, I'm going to join with you because you are working on people's hearts. So I can be bold when opportunities present uh, themselves because you are working on people's lives. Now today, I want to wrap up the series by sharing with us um, exactly how to become fishers of men, because that's a little bit of confusing for us, and, um, and sometimes it doesn't need to be so complicated, but yet we make things kind of complicated. And so some of you, you're like, you know what? I'm ready. You're there. You've prayed to Jesus. Jesus, make me into a fisher of men. And uh, God, you know, I'm confident that my faith is true because it's grounded in history and I'm praying for boldness. But God, there's just this one thing. God, I'm not sure what to exactly say, you know? Uh, Where do I begin? Do I start with creation? Do I start with sin? Do I tell them about heaven and hell? God, you know, this is kind of hard. I mean, if I get an opportunity, can't I like have Trent, you know, as one of my favorites and be able to pull uh, him up at any second as I get into this conversation with them? Can't I just like hand them the phone and let the professional take over? You know, isn't that what we think? You know, that we've got to be Uh, some professional when we share Jesus? Isn't that what we think that, you know, when we go fishing for men that we've got to be able to uh, tell them right and it's just so hard and it's so complicated? And, uh, you know, here's the thing, and I've struggled with this in the past as well. Sometimes we make things a whole lot more complicated than they are. And uh, I want to share with you this story. You know, it's not a fishing story, uh, but it's a story that just shows us how we can make something more complicated than really what it is. And, uh, you know, I wish I had a fishing story, but I think you'll enjoy this because it's about catching something. 
Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, but in Palm Coast, we've got a problem. I mean, we've got a major problem. Like when you're out there and you're walking on its famous trails and its famous sidewalks, I mean, you'll notice this. As soon as you start walking in the neighborhoods, you're thinking, my goodness, we've got a problem here in Palm Coast. You know, if you own a house or if you're renting a house, you know what I'm talking about. The major problem that we've got in Palm Coast is moles. Yeah, you heard me correctly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Don't think that those things are cute. I know some of you are like, oh, that's so cute and everything. No, don't let them deceive you. They are not cute. Those little four to six inch fur balls can get into your yard and destroy your yard in no time at all. And I know, I don't like them, all right? And this is what happens. They get into your yard, then they start to like create their little tunnels and all of a sudden they got their zigzag patterns. They're like, watch this. Here's another zigzag pattern in Tim's yard, you know? And uh, to make things worse, it's not like there's just one of them. I mean, it's like a party. They've got brothers, they've got sisters, they've got first cousins, second cousins, third cousins. You'd think like we're in West Virginia or something. Um, So when Sarah and I, we bought a house several years ago, uh, they invaded my yard. And I'm like, you have come to the wrong yard, all right? And so I go to Lowe's and I'm thinking, you know, give me something simple to eradicate them. And uh, I go into Lowe's and here's where it gets complicated. I go in there and I start looking at all the different products and there are tons of different methods to get rid of moles. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I start reading them. And first there's this, you know, poison pellet method, you know? And so I, the idea behind that is you bust into their hole, you put some of these pellets in there. Well, I tried that for several weeks, nothing, all right? And then I go back to Lowe's and I'm thinking, all right, what's next? And there's this like poisonous fog, you know, and you open up their hole and you, you know, put this thing on there and it releases this poison. And I'm like, hey, if the pellets didn't work, that's not going to work. All right. And then there's the method of, uh, you know, putting these sonic stakes in your ground and they vibrate and they drive them off supposedly. And I'm thinking, hey, if my lawnmower's not driving them off, they're not going to drive off with these little stakes in the ground. All right. And then there's the treat your yard method. And you start out in like in the corner of your yard and you start to treat it. And then you begin to treat more of it. You kind of drive them, you drive them towards your neighbors. I'm like, that's not a good idea, you know? And besides, by the time I treat my entire yard, you know how much money I wasted down the pipe there? And that's no guaranteed. So I'm like, all right, there's got to be a simple way to get rid of these things. And uh, I start to search. I read this one article, and finally I read this one, and it's like, that's it, all right? That is so simple. And all you need to do, this guy was brilliant. You just need two things. You just need to know two things. And so I say, all right, I got to get a trap. That was the first thing. So I go out to Home Depot because Lowe's didn't have, you know, the, the trap that I'm looking for. So I go to a Home Depot and I'm going down the aisle and I'm seeing the same product that I see in Lowe's and I'm not seeing a trap. And so I asked the lady, hey, who works there, um, hey, do you have a trap uh, that, you know, traps moles? And she's like, oh, the one that kind of like catches and releases them? I'm like, no, the one that kills them. And yeah, you should have seen her face. She thought like I was going to kill Lassie or Free Willy, you know? Um, and some of you are kind of like, man, this guy's got problems and you got kind of the same reactions. So I just told her this and I'll tell you the same thing. I said, hey, my name's Trent Shockey. Uh, my email address is Trent at baldisbeautiful.com if you've got a problem with that. No, I didn't do that part. But anyways, she kind of looks at me with this disgusting face and she points to this trap on the bottom shelf. I'm like, that is perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. That will do. So I go home with this trap 
And uh, when I get home, there's a second thing that you need to know. And I'm actually not going to share that with you. I'm going to save that for the end of the message. And the reason I'm going to do that is because when you hear this second thing, you're going to be like, man, that's easy. It's easy. And yet we make things so complicated. And it's just like the gospel. It's just like the good news. You know, we make it complicated. And sharing the gospel or the good news is not complicated. You know, here's the amazing fact about the gospel or the good news from God. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter how old you are, no matter what language you speak, no matter what country you are from, there, everyone gets in the same way. There aren't like 42 different methods. You don't have to worry about trying one method and thinking that, okay, do I have the right method or anything? It's just simple. And we like simple. And it's just really easy, but yet we make it complicated. Now today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to unpack how to become an actual Christ follower. And for some of you, you're like, I've got that information, and that's great. But today, I want to arm you with confidence of something that you just have to memorize, and it's real easy to memorize, and then be able to share with others. And here's what you need to know. You just have to answer two questions, just two questions. The question is, how or what does a person need to know? What does a person need to know? And then what do you have to do? So let me say that again. What does a person need to know and what do you have to do? And when you find the answers to those questions, the cool thing is that you can share that with everyone. And so anyone you know, it doesn't change. Those answers never change. And so you can be confident to share that with anyone that you know. Now, if you are not a Christ follower, I am so glad that you are here because today, chances are you've heard the good news or about salvation in a complicated way. And you've gotten really confused about it. And it's confused me at times when I've heard it. We're really good at confusing it. And so today I'm excited because you get to hear the gospel, the good news from God in a very simple way that you can decide about becoming a Christ follower for yourself without anything hindering you at all. And so that's my hope for you today. So today, let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 3, verse 16 in your Bibles or your smartphone devices. Uh, so go ahead and turn there. Um, John is found in the New Testament. It's the fourth book of the Bible. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are the gospel or the life accounts of Jesus. And so we're going to turn to John 3.16. It is a very famous passage if you're like, man, I've heard that. So I'll give you a moment to turn there. All right, now as you turn there, again, you might be thinking, hey, I've heard that passage. I've seen John 3.16. I've seen it at football games. I've seen it on team, uh, Tim Tebow or something, you know. Um, it is a very famous passage. It's not the shortest passage, but it is a very famous passage. And my hope today is that I will share this one verse with you, and you will be able to take that and share it with others. You'll be able to memorize it. You'll be able to share that with others. I'm not going to teach you like four different verses or anything today. I just want to share one verse with you. And from that, there are four words that I want us to focus on. And when you have these four words, you're going to be armed and confident on how to share the gospel. Now, before we jump in, let me qualify something, okay? 
Let me share with you what becoming a Christ follower is not, because there is a lot of confusion out there on what being a Christ follower is, or how do you become a Christ follower. And so let me clear up a few ways, and this is just touching the tip of the iceberg, okay? Some of us, or some people, believe that simply attending church makes you a Christ follower. And when you look at that, there's kind of an issue with that, you know? Attending church doesn't make you anything. It's kind of like sports, you know? Watching sports doesn't make you some star athlete, okay? Some wives are saying amen to that, you know? Um, No matter how many sports you watch, you are not going to become an amazing athlete. And the same thing, no matter how much you attend church, that doesn't make you a Christ follower, And for some of us, you know, another thing that kind of gets in our ways is, you know, we think that being a Christ follower is like simply like committing our ways to God, you know? Some of us think if we commit to God, uh, then I'm in, you know? And so many of us, no matter who we are, we try to commit to him, but what happens? We always fail, you know? And so commitment, no matter how much you've got, doesn't make us a Christ follower. Or for some of us, it's it's about getting our lives together, you know? If all of a sudden... um, I just, you know, straighten up one day, I'll get there. And what happens? No matter how much we try, we never will get there. And so there's so much confusion out there of what it means to become an actual Christ follower and how to do that. And Jesus wanted to make it simple, and he did. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to look at this one simple verse And there are four words that you need to learn. So I'm going to need some audience participation. It's all right to talk out when I give you the cue, and it'll be real easy. Uh, But today, I want you to learn these four words from this one verse to help you be able to explain to others what it means to become a Christ follower and how to do that. All right, so if you're ready, let's begin. John 3.16. Let's start there. For this is how God loved, and that's our first word, For this is how God loved the world. Now, do you know uh, what people who aren't Christ followers need to hear? They need to hear that God loved, you know? So let's say that together. God, yeah. And the Bible talks about God loving us. And there's so many of us, and there might be some of you today that think that God is like out to get us. You know, we think of God as like the wicked uh, witch of the West, you know, I'll get you my little pretty and your dog too, you know, and that would scare me. I mean, you know, if, if that was God, all of us would be running. I mean, it scared me I did that voice, all right? <laughs> if God were after us, he would be better at it, wouldn't he? You know, think about that, you know? If God were really against us, um, he would do so many things against us. So if you think that God is out to get you, you just don't realize that God loves you, that God is love. And he's not mad at you. He's not against you. He's not out to get you. Um, God loves you because he created us. He created us in his image. So we need to know that, that God loved. Now the verse goes on. For this is how God loved the world. He gave, and that's the second word that we need to know. He gave, he gave his one and only son. So if you're not Christ's follower, here's the two things that you need to know. You need to know that the first is that God loved the world and that God gave his son. And so we don't need to tell them about like Adam and Eve. We don't need to tell them about uh, Adam and Eve's sons and 
you know, try to explain how they found wives. You know, don't think about that too long, all right? Um, we don't need to go there. We don't need to go there about like how long people have lived for. And in the Bible, it says they lived a long time. All people need to know is that God loved and God gave. Let's say that together. God loved and God gave. Yeah. Now, God gave his son. And more specifically, he gave his son to die for our sins. And so um, that just proves that he's not against us. He gave his most prized possession. He gave his son for us to die for our sins. And so he's not out to get us. He's out to rescue us. And if you're a parent, you get this, you know, if you're a parent um, and one of your children like starts running towards the street, you're not chasing him to like get him into the street. You know, we don't do that, you know, do we? Except for if you've got teenagers, you know, we don't purposely chase them into the street. No, when our child bolts for the street, we chase after them. And that's exactly what God is doing with us because God loved God gave. And so that's what we need to know. That's the first, those are the first answers to the first question. What does a person need to know? That God loved and God gave. Let's say it together. God loved and God gave. Yeah. So that's what a person needs to know. Now let's check out this next part because it starts to answer the second question. See how easy this is? All right. <clears throat> so let's continue on. Um, and this will answer the question, what do you have to do? So going back to John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in, and that's our third word, believes in him. So what do you have to do? You have to believe in, you have to trust in. That little Greek word believe in uh, gives the meaning of trust in. Uh, so you have to believe in, you have to trust in. Um, how do you trust in? So let me give you an example. So let me use this stool for example. Uh, for this stool, you know, for me to trust in it, to support me, um, I have to do something. Now, if I take this stool and I hold it up and I say, I've got to trust in this stool. Well, that's not trusting in this stool, okay? Or if I take this stool and I put it on the ground and I say, I've got trust in this stool to support me. That's not trusting in this stool. Or if I come on over and I put part of my weight on there and I'm right here, this is not trusting in the stool. Trust is this. Trust is putting all of my weight on this stool. And it's the same when we trust in Jesus. We're trusting in him and we are putting our faith in him that he died for our sins and that he died for my sins. So let's do this, all right? What do people need to know? God loved and God, let's do that a little stronger. What do people have to need to know? God and God, yeah. And what do people have to do? Believe in, say it again, believe in, all right. And if you get a little fancy, you can say, we believe. And I'll come back to that in a second here. But let me unpack this believe in, okay? Some of us struggle. We struggle with that. We think we've got to commit to God. But we don't have to commit to God. God is committed to us. Some of us think that we have to make a promise to God. We don't have to make a promise to God. God made a promise to send his son to die for us. 
And the reason that we know that that is true is because Jesus came back from death. And so when he came back from death, it proves that we can trust him, that we can believe in, that we can put our weight on him to save us because that's what he did. He conquered death. And so what do we have to do? Or what does a person need to know? That God and God, and what do they have to do? Believe, or we believe, okay? Now, when you get something, um, because all of a sudden when you believe in, God actually gives us something. That's part of our wiring that needs a little reworking. You know, we think that uh, we have to uh, basically give something to God, but we have to receive something from God. We have to receive his son. And so we are trusting in his son to save us. It is God's gift to us. His son is his gift to us for salvation. And so um, at the end of the day, once you receive Christ, you've got something. And I love what John says, and he'll unfold this for us. This is what we've got. So listen to this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, that is to spend eternity without God. But now we have something. And that's our fourth word. We have something. We have eternal life. And so God gives us eternal life. And eternal life is not the promise of living forever, all right? So when you become a Christ follower, you're not like special, you're not granted something, you know, of living forever. Everyone lives forever somewhere. And we know that. I mean, whether you believe in God or not, there's something in us that says there's something more to this life. And after we die, we will live somewhere. Well, where does that come from? That comes from our creator, because we are made in his image. And he says, yes, everyone lives somewhere forever. Now, we gotta understand then, what is eternal life? What is that? Well, here's what eternal life is. Eternal life is putting our faith in Christ. And it's that God gives us God life, that he gives us Christ life, that he gives us a brand new start, that he gives us a brand new standing with God. He gives us a right standing with God. When someone becomes a Christ follower, they don't say, you know, I've got to try harder now. You know, when someone becomes a Christ follower, they don't say, you know, I've got to be more disciplined or something because I'm on this path. You know, when someone becomes a Christ follower, they say, he has changed my life. My life is different. Some of the things that I used to do, I don't want to do anymore. I have a new perspective on life. He has given me a new perspective on myself. God has changed me. My life is different. And people are like, yes, you're different. What is going on? Because that is what God gives us when we become a Christ follower. He gives us eternal life. And so what do we need to know? That God loved and God gave what does, what does a person need to do? We believe. And what will we have? We'll have eternal life. So if you want to get a little like uh, creative here, all right, I get creative sometimes. Um, you can say it like this to really memorize it very easily. Um, so what do we, uh, does a person have to know? Uh, God loved, God gave. Uh, what do we need to do? We believe and we receive. Hey, I might be leading worship next week, all right? So... <clears throat> But let's try that together, all right? So what does a person need to know? And what does a person need to do? We 
and yeah. So now some of you are thinking, all right, you know, I mean, if that's all it is, why does God give us this huge then Bible? You know, what in the world is this Bible? I mean, God could have like put it on a three by five card, right? You know, why is this Bible so complicated? When we read, uh, you know, Leviticus, it seems like I got to go on a diet to become a Christ follower. You know, when we get into Revelation, it seems like, is anybody going to make it? You know, is anybody going to survive? You know, and then when we read Paul, it's like, this guy's just confusing. You know, I mean, he's talking about something, then he skips over here, he goes back and back and, you know, I don't know what the guy is saying. So why is the Bible so important? The Bible is so important because it records the history of God's pursuit after us. It's how much he loves us and we see it in history and we've seen it, what he's done in people's lives. We see lives change. We see them going out and being bold like they've never been bold before. We see people saying, you know what? I've been changed because of Jesus Christ. And now I have a relationship with him. Simply because God loved and God gave and we believe and we receive. That's why it's so important. And I love how John just kind of, he has this second verse that he kind of couples with this other verse of John three sixteen, And I love what he says because it reminds us, it kind of zooms us back out of God's love for us. Listen to this verse. Verse 17, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world. I mean, we get that. I mean, who needs that? We all understand we do wrong. I mean, that's not rocket science, you know? Isn't that why we try harder? Isn't that why we try to earn our way to heaven? You know, we feel like we're in debt. We gotta do something. You know, I know that's how I felt at times in my life in the past. And man, I know things are wrong. I just look in the mirror every day, okay? So we know things are going south in this world. So verse 17, he says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but here's the good news, but to save the world through him. Because God loved and God gave and we believe and we receive. So let's say that one last time, okay? God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. And when we look at these two uh, verses, here's the truth that we get out of them, okay? You see, sin's not the problem. Um, People don't spend eternity separated uh, from God because of their sin. They spend eternity away from God because they have not believed in, they have not trusted in Jesus and have not received the free gift of eternal life. And so the reason that it's good news is not because, you know, we've got to earn something, we've got to try this method, we've got to, you know, perform better, we've got to get into shape or anything. The reason that it's good news is that simply God loved, God gave, we believe, and we receive. Now, some of you, um, you know, you're not a Christ follower, and you hear that, and you're like, wow, that is really simple. And that's not confusing. And I haven't heard that before. And if is that what God's about? I mean, God is love. And so in a moment here, I'm going to close uh, in prayer. I'm going to close in a song. And if you're like, man, I, what's the next step for me? Well, you just simply echo those four things back to him. You just speak to him during the prayer or during the song. You just say, God loved. God, I, I know, and I thank you for loving me. God gave, God, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. We believe, God, I believe your son came back to life 
to show that he can save me, that I can trust in him, that I can put all my weight on you, Jesus. And we receive. Thank you for giving me eternal life. When you do that, in that moment, that simple faith is the only step that you need to take in order to become part of God's family. That's it. Now, some of you, you're like, Tim, I know that. You know, I'm just waiting for you to tell me the second part of the mole story, all right? And uh, thank you for finishing that up. That was all inspiring and everything. But just tell me, what's the second thing I need to do, you know? And so I'll give it to you. Here, 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 Here it is, all right? So I go and get the trap, and I go on home, and I'm like, this is what I need to do, you know? I need to go on out, and I need to do something to my yard. Here's the simple question that you need to ask. What do moles not like? Anybody know? The light. Exactly. You're right. That's it. That's the second thing that you need to know. They don't like the light. So I go home and I start mashing down all their tunnels, you know, and because they don't like that and they rebuild them anyways. And so I go out there and I mash them all down and then I go to sleep. The next morning I get up and I see exactly where they're at. And so I go over to like the main artery, you know, it's really clear. And so I just step on part of the tunnel and I take my trap and I put it right where I mashed it down. Then I take a little poker and I put three holes on each side of that trap. And here's what happened. A couple hours later, Mr. Mole does not like that light. And he comes on back and he starts to repair those little holes. And then he sees his tunnel is a little caved in. And all of a sudden, got my first mole. All right. Mole hunting is simple. All right. It's not complicated. We make it so complicated. We say, try all these methods, you know, spend all this money. It's easy. It's not complicated. It's simple. All you need is a trap and you need to let the light in. And that's the same thing with sharing the good news. It's simple. It's not complicated. All we have to do is live it out. And then we have to lay it out for people. All we have to do is live a life that is close to God and God will honor that. And people will start to say, what is so different about you? And then you can share with them what has happened in your life that God loved and God gave and that we believe and we receive. And so it's amazing how God will use that. It's so simple. Now, if you're a Christ follower, um, you know, the next part that's kind of difficult for us is how do we live that out? And that's what I want to end with today, because we have to do something different to live it out. And here's what I mean by that. Here's some questions I came up with. Some of you, you're like, you know, I'm in Jesus. Make me a fisher of men. Uh, You know, I'm confident that my faith is grounded in history. I'm praying to be bold. I now have a way to lay it out. But what do I need to do different in my world? What patterns need to change? So I came up with some questions to ask you. And the questions are this. Who do you need to do lunch with that you uh, regularly uh, don't do lunch with, you know? Who's that person, you know, so easy for us to do lunch with the people that we're comfortable with, the other Christ followers and stuff, but who's that person that you know who doesn't know Christ and would you begin to take them out to lunch? 
And then another question for us to ask is simply, what resource do I need to give to somebody? I mean, we know people who are looking for answers, who've told us about their, you know, trying to figure this thing out. So what resource can we give to that person and say, hey, you know what? I've read this, or I've heard this, or I've listened to this. I think it would help you out. Listen to it, and then let's go out to lunch and talk about it, you know? Or what about this? You know, how are we spending our finances? You know, instead of like, you know, clawing onto them, if we see a person in need, like a neighbor or something, what would happen if we help them? How would that get their attention? And they're like, why are you doing this? And what way would that pay for us to be able to share one day as we build a relationship with them about Jesus? Or for some of us, you know, who are we inviting to dinner? Instead of just waving at a neighbor or borrowing something like a mole trap, you know, from them, you know, (laughs) instead invite them to dinner, have a conversation with them, get to know them. Show them that you value them just as God has valued us and knows exactly what we need to hear. Let us be able to hear them because they need to be heard. Or this week, we've got Easter that's coming up. Who do you need to invite? Who do you need to take one of those cards with and invite that person? Instead of like running around and picking up a kid here and dropping a kid off here, would you just take time in that moment to say, okay, kid is here. Let me talk to that person. Let me invite them to Easter. Let me engage them in a conversation. Say, hey, do you have a church for Easter this week? Hey, why don't you come with me to my church? I'll meet you at the 11 o'clock service. I'll meet you at the 915 service. Why don't you come with us? You know, I'll even drive. I'll even take you out to lunch. You know, what else needs to change? What habits so that we can live it out? Would you start to pray for people? Would you just simply in the morning, instead of drinking your coffee and reading the newspaper, would you like put an alarm on your phone? Would you make a note uh, instead of reading the news in the morning? Would you just simply start to pray for people? And would you say, God, help me to live my faith out so that one day I can share the good news with them? And so um, that's the challenge for all of us. You know, could you imagine if all of us became, you know, fishers of people, you know, do you know how many lives would be changed? Do you know how many people would become part of God's family? Do you know how many people would all of a sudden experience the love that we have experienced? That somebody took a risk to share with us about Jesus, and now they get to experience God's love as well. I love in scripture, there's this one great verse. Uh, It's found in 1 John 4.10, and it defines love. It says, this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's love. That's his pursuit for us, and he's been doing it in history, and he will not stop. And so would you join him? Because he is working on people's hearts. And so I'm going to close out in a word of prayer. And if you're like, man, that makes sense today. I want to be part of God's family. In a moment, I'm going to pray and you just follow along. I'm going to go with those four words I pointed out and you just talk to him. You just put your faith in him. You come over here and put all your weight into Jesus. And then for all of us, you know, you just say, God, hey, make me into a fisher of men. And so now I'm armed. And so God, would you just give me an opportunity so that I can share your good news with other people? 
Well, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. So Father, we just come to you and we just thank you for who you are. God, if someone's here and they're like, man, I wanna be a part of God's family. So just say this to God. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm putting my belief in you because you rose from the dead to show that you can be my savior. Thank you for giving me new life, eternal life. Change me. Thank you, God. And Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are greater than life, that you've been pursuing us, that the Bible shows us your pursuit. God, it is amazing. It is amazingly simple, this message of salvation that you want for everyone. There are not 42 different methods. There's just one. It's simple. We like simple. And so, Father, would you just help us to live out our faith in front of others. And when we have an opportunity, help us to share. God, this week, may we change a habit for you. May we continue to not do the same thing over and over again. Get our attention. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear to follow you so that we see the opportunities that are in front of us. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.